amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local, telegraphlocal.com, the web's only real. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local, telegraphlocal.com, the web's only real opinion free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, are tired of the same misconstrued reality of the world and of the current aggressive political landscape, come on over to telegraphlocal.com. We'd love to have you. Read, comment, share. Telegraph Local, your opinion-free news headquarters. Tuesday, happy Tuesday, the 16th of June today. We are just a few days away from the start of summer, and I am hoping that the summer season will be a hell of a lot better than the spring and the winter season. I don't know, though. Election seasons are, are, are very odd. Election years are very odd. That is some, some, uh, some back reading about some of the issues four years ago and then four years before that and four years before that. But I, I did it in a way to where I looked over the entire election year itself, and it seems that it is so true that every four years, that, that fourth year, the year of the election, the craziness begins. And it, it tends to subside uh, rapidly after the election, but then the following year ramps up with a whole bunch of reasons of why the person who didn't win should have won. And I don't know if um, if it really matters from the, the sides of the parties, Republican or Democrat or Independent, or the Green Party or, or the millions of others uh, wannabe parties out there. Uh, it just seems to always go that way. So I'm assuming 2020 is a wash. I think it's just going to be a, a crummy year altogether. But the good news is, is at least now it can be a really shitty year with nice weather. So I'm hoping that still remains the, the case. We have several topics for you today, guys. Uh, Richard Brooks shooting, we're going to cover that, go over that in detail, uh, look at both sides of that, and see which side um, that you feel is right. We also have uh, Safe Policing for Safe Communities Act. As you know, President Trump, uh, not too long ago, signed a police reform uh, executive order at the Rose Garden uh, in, a, in a ceremony typical to Trump fashion. Um, we're going to go over that in great detail as well. Uh, we'll cover everything we can as far as the police reform executive order. Um, I know we'll probably follow up on that in the next couple of days simply because 
there's going to be a lot more to that when it comes to um, comes to the backlash and people who support it, people who don't support it, people who claim he got everything wrong, people who claim he got everything right, and of course those happy people in the middle. First, let me tell you, uh, for all the news we're going to go over today, please go to telegraphlocal.com. Take a look at it. Telegraphlocal.com is an opinion-free news platform. This podcast uh, that is an arm of telegraphlocal.com is not opinion-free. We talk about the facts, and then we go into the opinions of those facts, and we do our best to look at both sides of it. That being said, I think today we have a really good show. Yesterday's show was amazing. Um, if you need to, um, to prove that to yourself, just go back and watch it. So let's get into it before, um, before we waste too much time with the introduction stuff, which I get really bored of. Trump signs a police reform executive order in the Rose Garden today. He did this about an hour or so ago. Um, now, it's important, I guess, before I get into this, but you know that he, he signed an executive order on law enforcement reform, okay, an executive order, which means any president could have done this, right? Any president in the past could have signed this executive order. It just didn't it, – it just happened to be Donald Trump, and one of the main reasons is certainly because of the, the climate of the, of the world right now, or at least the United States, but second of all, some of this could have been averted had past presidents done the same exact thing. You don't have to have congressional approval to sign an executive order. You can just do that. You can mandate it. The president can simply just mandate it, which means that the Obama administration could have done this. The Bush administration could have done this. The Clinton administration could have done this. The Bush administration before that could have done this. There is a whole line of presidents who had the ability to sign this. And to put this executive order into law, none of them did that. Trump has done that, and I don't think this should should this should not be Republican or Democrat. This should just be a person who created and signed a police reform policy to make sure that some of the mistakes that have happened in the past by the the very few bad apples in the police department communities will protect the general public in the future. Now, this uh, signing the, the executive order doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stop all issues in the police department. Obviously, it's not, because you still have the bad apples. You still have them. And, you, know, you have a police department that's, that's hundreds of thousands strong. There's going to be a, a few bad apples. There's a few bad apples anywhere, in the military, at Amazon, at, at any company. There's going to be bad apples. But it's important to note that this is the first step, first real step, in combating what some people believe is uh, a huge issue in the police departments. Um, now, when he signed this, he specifically said that chokeholds would be banned except if an officer's life is at risk. Um, I, a few weeks ago on the show, I had said I didn't know of any police departments that currently train with the chokehold. And I think I was wrong on that because I did some research, and there are some police departments that um, they do train on that. And um, so I was wrong on that. So I looked back and I was able to find information. So let me correct that now that there are some police officers and police departments that uh, allow the use of a chokehold. The problem is, as you know, we just recently saw that chokeholds are, are deadly, um, especially if they're used for a prolonged time and in the wrong fashion. So um, at the very least, it is now illegal for the police departments to use chokeholds. But he also expressed strong support for police before officially signing the order, which he characterized as promoting the highest professional standards. I guess my issue with that, too, is I thought the police departments were already at the highest professional standards. I'm not sure how they got away from that. 
how in the world did they get away from being the highest profe- hiring people with the highest professional standards? And that goes back to training and local and state governments. You got to remember the local and state governments control the police departments. The federal government does not. Although the federal government does give money to the counties and states for policing, it is up to those independent mayors and governors to, to use that money properly to make sure that the police departments are going through the proper training. So this has been a breakdown of, of huge proportion for generations, for decades, as these police departments have slowly just kind of withered away into what it has unfortunately come to today as rogue police officers doing things that they shouldn't be doing, committing criminal acts such as murder and assault. So you know, keep in mind, just because this is signed, it, it also depends on the city and state governments to make sure that they also play their role and their part in making sure that this um, – that the, the highest professional standards policy is now abided to. Um, he goes on to say that we're united by our desire to ensure peace and dignity and equality for all Americans. I don't think that – I think that goes without saying. Obviously, you said it, but I think that should go without saying. Do we really need to say that we um, – that we desire to ensure peace and dignity and equality for all Americans, or do we do it through action, right? Is this something that, that we, we, we show? We just don't talk about it. We show it. And, that, and that's yet to be seen, and we'll see how this uh, executive order today um, starts to push everything in the right direction. I haven't yet heard um, from the pundits and the other side of the aisle about it. I'm sure there will be everything he did was wrong. I'm sure he could have done more. Um, you, you know how you know how the game goes with with the sides of political aisles, and this goes for Republican or Democrat, depending on who's in office. Um, that being said, the reality of this is it, it's not up to the president to control the police departments. It's up to the local and town officials to control the police department. Um, he did speak with the family of Ahmaud Arbery and several other young black Americans that have been killed at the hands of police. And he did that before he had the press conference itself. Uh, and he did mention that throughout the, um, throughout his, his, um, his speech there. Uh, he said that these are incredible people and it's so sad. Many of these families lost their loved ones in deadly interactions with police. All Americans mourn by your side. Your loved ones will not have died in vain. He goes on to say, I can promise to fight for justice for all of our people. And I give a commitment to all of those families. We are going to pursue what we said we will be pursuing. It will be pursuing it strongly. You know, you got to give Trump a hand. He's not really good at public speaking. You would think that someone would write something a little bit uh, more poetic for him, I guess, uh, when he's looking at his, uh, at his notes there. But regardless of how he said it, what he did said, say makes sense. The bill he – not the bill – the executive order he passed today holds water, and it's a start. And this is a lot more than anyone else has done to this point. Now, what I'm thinking now, this will put uh, other governments in hyperdrive to start following behind and start catching up. Uh, and then, of course, to blame the president if this happens again. I, you know, it's, it's yet to be seen. We, you know, all of us know how this goes. We all, all know how it goes. Um, according to the White House, Trump, Trump's order touches on use of force for best practices. Information sharing to track officers who have been repeated – who have had repeated complaints against them and federal incentives for the police departments to deploy non-police experts on issues like mental health, homelessness, and addiction. So – oh, boy. 
my question here is how in the world why can an officer have multiple complaints against him and still be on the job one and two how can an officer have multiple multiple complaints against him lose his job or quit his job then go to another police department and get hired immediately i guess my question is do the police departments that hire them do a a, a a check on their employment history. Do they call their last, you know, sergeant and lieutenant and ask about them? And if they do, how come these sergeants and lieutenants don't mention the fact that this guy, hey, he had several complaints against him? That whole, you know, brotherhood in blue thing should only go so far because what you're doing is you're not protecting your brothers in blue. You're hurting them because things like this happen. And when things like this happen, well, you know, things get burnt down in torch. I, I just I guess my frustration is is that we've come to a point in this country to where this has to be the action in order to rein in the few bad apples of the police department. The the local government couldn't have done this beforehand. And now it becomes a federal problem. Makes no sense to me. Um, the White House on Monday said that the president stands behind our dedicated law enforcement all the way, but that the executive order would help quote uphold clear and high policing standards, promote accountability in law enforcement, and help equip police officers for constructive community engagement. I guess, again, my question is, why hasn't this been done all along? Why do we need, why do we need an executive order for the local towns and cities and states to rein in their own police officers? They get federal funding for the police departments through the, through the federal government anyway. So the money is there. Again, my question, and the same thing I asked yesterday, is what, why aren't we holding these local officials accountable? Why do we keep electing the same people that don't do a damn thing but talk? The second they get in office or the second they're reelected, nothing happens. And yes, we should also hold the police departments to higher standards as well. We should hold these chiefs accountable. Now, I get it. They're under a tremendous amount of stress. They, they are in charge of a lot of people. But the reality of it is the buck stops with you, and that's the stress you get when you take a position like that. So if you're not ready to accept the responsibility that comes with the position, then why are you taking it? Because when things like this happen, you look like a fool. He goes on to say, I strongly oppose the radical and dangerous efforts to defund, dismantle, and dissolve our police departments, especially now when we've achieved the lowest recorded crime rates in recent history. Trump said while acknowledging a tiny number of bad police officers, without police, there is no chaos. Oh, sorry, without police, there is chaos. Without law, there is anarchy. And without safety, there is a catastrophe. You know, He's spot on about that, right? We know that. We have to have police officers. Defunding the police is the dumbest – got to be the dumbest thing that I've heard in my 42 years on this earth. And I'm quite certain it's the dumbest thing you've ever heard as well. You know, now apparently it's being spun. Oh, well, we don't really – what we're hearing now is, oh, well, we don't really mean defund the police. We, that's not what we mean. We mean fix the police departments. You, know, you have a bumper sticker on your car that says defund the police. But that's not what you mean. So why doesn't the bumper sticker say what you actually mean? 
why is this everything such an extreme position, knowing that the extreme position isn't realistic? It's not going to happen. You know, this this these this radical new position. Oh, we're defunding the police department, but then they have to walk it back because they realize the vast majority of people they don't want the police departments defunded. The vast majority of people, especially in inner city neighborhoods who are surrounded by crime, love the police department. They love community policing, and a lot of police departments get that right. But even if the police department gets it right, it doesn't mean that every officer is going to follow those rules. And you know that's what needs to be addressed now. There needs to be such standards for these, for these cops. One, where are the body cameras at? Like, if you were a police officer, why wouldn't you want to wear a body camera? Don't you think that would protect you? Don't you think that's safe? Hell, I'd rather have a body camera on at all times. I wish I could walk the streets now with a body camera on. So it seems to me if a police officer is pushing against wearing body cameras, that says a lot about that police officer. What's he trying to hide? What does he not want people to see? Trump said the Department of Justice would provide grants to police departments seeking independent credentialing for use of force and de-escalation training that holds them to high standards and that the federal government would provide funding for co-responders like social workers to help police officers deal with an issue like homelessness, mental health, and substance abuse. We know that a lot of times many of the interactions that police officers have on a daily basis are with people that are mentally ill or with substance abuse. The drug epidemic in this country is huge. So we know the vast majority not maybe okay, I mean not the maybe not the vast majority, but several, a lot of the of the individuals that police officers come encounter with every day are doing something wrong, right? Much of that is from drugs. It's either selling the drugs, possession of the drugs, using the drugs, or the reaction that the, the drug user has after he's used the drug. But my question here is you can't send how can you send mental health professionals in without police officers, because some of the talk you know, on, on CNN and MSNBC and so on and so forth was sending police officers or sending in social workers to some cause without police officers. So you're sending a, a, a social worker in that has no means to defend themselves in a situation to where it very well means that you might have to have uh, uh, a weapon or, uh, or force or the understanding that if the the person who the police were called on does something wrong, that they can be restrained. Uh, so it should be a huge safety issue. I, I just don't – unless we're going to have just social workers now riding along with the police every day, each cop gets a social worker. Uh, maybe that's what they're planning on doing. I don't know. You know. There's not enough questions. We don't have enough que- answers yet for the questions. I'm sure of this coming days we will. Um, I think, it's all, I think the, the, the co-responder is a great idea if, they, if they're able to do it safely, right? And that's a huge concern. And how many social workers want to start responding to police to 911 calls by themselves without a weapon, without a police officer? It just doesn't – I don't know. It seems, it seems to me like it's, just, it's, it's something that's just going to be just, just wreak problems everywhere. It's just such a crummy, tough, tough thing to do. Um, the independently independent credentialing for use of force and de-escalation I, training. I, I, why don't the police already have this? Maybe they have some version of this, but why don't they? You know, if we know that de-escalation is something that the police department needs to work on, why aren't they getting the best possible training in order to understand how to do this? 
Trump also said Tuesday that he is committed to working with Congress on additional measures. Um, Congress so far has been hooming and hawing and going back and forth on what they want done. The problem, I think, is that they – you need to have practical solutions, not radical solutions. And one of the problems – the biggest problem, I think, with Congress right now is, one, it's a divided Congress after the, you know, with the impeachment and the fact that the Democrats run the House um, – and the Republicans don't, just create such a, a divide. And I, I don't think it creates a divide. Let me take that back. I think that it creates animosity because one side doesn't want to deal with the other side. There's no bipartisanship in anything anymore. Now, this has just become – on the left side, I hate Trump. On the right side, we hate Democrats. It's, it's really sad, really, really, really sad. Um, and I just don't think anything's going to come not, – not right now, in the election year. I don't think they're going to pass anything. <sighs> Senator Tom Scott – said on CBS Sunday that addressing qualified immunity, a judicial doctrine that often protects officers accused of misconduct and liability. So this is my thing. So if you're afraid of being sued, why aren't you wearing a body cam so everything you do can be recorded? Seems to me the best way to protect myself from a lawsuit is to have a video camera running or at least a voice recorder running. So, I, I mean, if you want to have that liability or you want to be immune from that liability – then why aren't you doing things that would allow people to make it comfortable with you being immune from that liability? A body camera, uh, a dash camera, a voice recorder. Why aren't these staples for every police officer at every moment in every city and town and every police department while they're on the job? You know, if you're, if you're a cop and you don't want a body camera, you shouldn't be a cop because apparently you're doing something that you don't want people to see. Um, the, sh the shooting death in Florida a few days ago was covered by body cameras, and we have a clear picture of it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think of this. Um, I think it's a great step forward, but I think a lot more needs to be done in reforming police departments and making sure they have the information and the ability and the training to respond to these, uh, these calls and to be as professional. I mean, they need to be the most professional out there. They walk around with guns and badges. Police reform, I think, is largely a local issue with states, cities, and towns overseeing departments and holding significant power in the area under the Constitution. This means the most tangible reforms are likely to come due to political will on a local level. So I guess the reality of it is these local and state governments need to get, get, get going and get their police departments in order. This shouldn't be up to the president of the United States to solve. This should be and should have been for a long time handled by the local and state-level government. Guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we're going to be talking about Rashard Brooks. We'll see you in about 60 seconds. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local, telegraphlocal.com, the web's only real opinion-free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, are tired of the same misconstrued reality of the world and of the current aggressive political landscape, come on over to telegraphlocal.com. We'd love to have you. Read, comment, share. Telegraph Local, your opinion-free.
All right, guys, welcome. Welcome back. TelegraphLocal.com, new podcast, Unredacted. We spent the first 20 minutes or so of the show talking about uh, Trump signing the police reform executive order in the Rose Garden today. So hopefully that turns out to be something. I'm not sure what, but something. I hope that it works. I hope that it is something that jumpstarts these local cities and towns into getting their police departments in order without defunding them and removing much-needed money from them. So over the weekend, uh, a man by the name of Richard Brooks was shot and killed by Atlanta police officers. This uh, took place in the parking lot of a fast food restaurant that was swiftly burned to the ground hours after this incident happened. There was two police officers that were on the scene, uh, and they were responding to a call um, about a car, someone in a car that wasn't moving. So they go out there. Um, they go out there, and long story short, there was a confrontation. There was a breathalyzer given. Uh, the breathalyzer was failed. Uh, Mr. Brooks was then um, placed in custody or attempted. The police officers attempted to put him in custody. There was a scuffle that came from this. Mr. Uh, Brooks grabbed the officer's police taser and started running with that police taser. Uh, at that point in time, one of the officers engaged um, Mr. Brooks and shot him. There were three shots total, and there's conflicting evidence in a lot of this. But the good news is, is that there were body cameras on these police officers. Now, one of the police officers was just immediately fired. Um, the other one was put on administrative duty. So there was no investigation into this, no due process. <clears throat> they were just... One was fired and is being investigated for criminal charges. The other one is on administrative duty. Um, so this was a police-involved shooting death of a 27-year-old man outside a Wendy's fast food restaurant in Georgia, which led to protest and destruction in Atlanta. They literally burnt the Wendy's to the ground, and there's a, apparently a $10,000 reward by Crime Stoppers um, for information leading to the arrest an indictment of whoever burned it to the ground. But this is where we are now. We are now to a, a place to where if, if there is a police-involved shooting, the officers are pretty much immediately terminated on the spot. And then the place where this shooting happened is burnt to the ground. This is becoming a very familiar pattern, a very scary pattern uh, in society today without due process, without the ability for these officers to – even give their side of the story, they're uh, immediately terminated and put it under criminal investigation. So uh, I was doing some research yesterday, and there is something along the lines of 10% of police officers have now either quit or taken early retirement. So we're getting to a point now to where we can't even find police officers. It said that – article I read said that uh, police recruiting is down more than 80% and that police academies are almost empty of recruits because no one wants to – be a cop. Why would you want to be a cop if you're, you have Molotov cocktails thrown at you, if you have bricks and rocks thrown at you, if you get poisoned from milkshakes, like what happened to a couple in four NYPD officers yesterday, is they ordered some milkshakes from a restaurant, and they thought they tasted funny, but they drank them anyway, and then they were hospitalized not too, too, too much longer not, because the milkshakes were poisoned. 
So either someone in the restaurant or everyone in the restaurant decided to poison the milkshakes they gave these cops. Now, these cops haven't done anyone to anyone. They didn't harass the, the restaurant employees. They did none of that. They simply went in, got milkshakes, drank them, and next thing you know, they're, uh, yeah, they're poisoned. They're in a hospital. And this is behavior that has somehow condoned by people. Like there are people out there who actually think this behavior is okay, that it's socially acceptable, that this is acceptable behavior now. You just poison cow. You don't like him, fuck it, poison him. So I guess, I guess, and I'm not going to mention the restaurant chain. It's readily available online um, where this happened at. But it seems to me as a patron, I wouldn't go back to that restaurant anymore, and it would start making me con- concerned about going to other restaurants because if they're willing to – poison a police officer, four police officers, then what would keep them from being willing to poison other people they don't like? What if they like white people, so they start poisoning all the white people? What if they don't like Asians? What if they don't like Hispanics? You know, is this the beginning of something that is going to become a national crisis to where people, no one can go to a restaurant and eat or drink safely because they're a fear of someone may poison them? The Georgia Bureau of Investigation, otherwise known as GBI, which is investigating the shooting, said the deadly confrontation started on Friday with officers responding to a complaint that a man was sleeping in a car blocking the restaurant's drive through lane. <clears throat> the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, said that Mr. Brooks failed a field sobriety test and then resisted officers in their attempts to arrest him. The footage shows the GBI released security camera video of the shooting on Saturday. The footage shows a man running from two white police officers as he raises a hand, which is holding some type of object toward an officer a few steps behind him. The officer draws his gun and fires as the man keeps running, then falls to the ground in the parking lot. So security footage backs up the story, the officer's story about the taser being taken from them. So this is my issue. Mr. Brooks was apparently drunk in the parking lot of Wendy's in his car. Had he just gone along with the, the fact that he broke a law and that he, he rightly so was getting arrested? And had he just got himself – had he just gotten arrested, a couple hours later he could have posted bonds, been home, and you know he would have gotten a DUI, which you know, is not the most – Unheard of thing in this country. People get DUIs. It's not the end of the world. You know, you, it's not, you're not, you're not going to be branded as a criminal for getting a DUI. Instead, he starts fighting with the cops, steals the taser, and then runs. And then turns to the cops with his hands up with, obviously, the tasers in his hands. And these cops have a split second to react. What are they supposed to do? Just let them run away with their taser? Which, by the way, police tasers are not what you get on Amazon.com. Police tasers are extremely dangerous. They're extremely powerful. So are they considered deadly weapons? Is the fact that Mr. Brooks, instead of getting arrested, calmly getting handcuffed, going down to the police station, being booked in, being released a few hours later, going to court and maybe getting you know, a suspended license and having to go to ASAP or something. Was it more advantageous for him to wrestle with the cops, 
steal a taser and run. And then they expect the police officers not to do anything, to let this guy run down the street who's apparently drunk or failed a, a, a field sobriety test with a taser that is harmful, that if he used that on other people, could kill them. If you use a taser on an elderly person or a very young person, you could kill these people or a very unhealthy person, a person with heart conditions. So are they supposed to just disengage? Like, oh, okay, well, he got away. We'll get him later. <sighs> GBI Director Vic Reynolds said Brooks had grabbed a stun gun from one of the officers and appeared to point it at the officer as he fled, prompting the officer to reach for his gun and fire, and that was an estimated three shots. You've already taken, you know, you want, you want people to, you want the police officers to use non-lethal force, but then what do you do? What does the police officer do when the means of him using non-lethal force have been taken from his belt and he no longer has the, the, the ability to use that non-lethal force? Is this a legitimate use of deadly force <clears throat> if an officer's taser is taken from them and pointed at them? I don't understand. I mean, what do you think? Do you think this is the proper use of deadly force? Do you think that this cop should have shot um, Mr. Brooks and killed him? Or do you think he should have just let Mr. Brooks run from him? Or do you think he should have chased Mr. Brooks knowing that Mr. Brooks was now armed with his taser? So Mr. Brooks could tase him and what, get his firearm next? There has to be some sense of ownership here. That when you do certain things, certain things may happen. For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. So was the officer involved using deadly force a fair reaction to Mr. Brooks's action? To action one of being drunk in a Wendy's parking lot or Wendy's drive-thru. Action two, resisting arrest. Action three, fighting with the police. Action four being able to get the stun gun away from the officer, action five, running from the officer, action six, turning around, raising his hands with the stun gun in his hand. At what point are people held liable for their actions? It's a sad thing that Mr. Brooks was shot and killed. It's horrible. Nobody wants that. But how far do you go? How much do you not do before it becomes Unfortunate that deadly force is needed. Officer Garrett Roth, who was a veteran of more than six years on the force, was fired. Who was the officer that fired the deadly shots? Officer Devin Bronson, another officer that responded to this call, has been with the department since 2018, was placed on administrative duty. This was reported by WSB-TV in Atlanta. So Garrett Roth, Officer Garrett Roth, was immediately fired without any type of peer review or any investigation. You know, these are split-second decisions in reference to using his firearm. With everything going on at this point, I don't think using a firearm was, was this officer's first instinct. In fact, if you watch the video footage, they were extremely professional. And to the point to where Mr. Brooks starts wrestling with them. But it is a, it is a police officer's job 
to not just protect themselves, but the general public. So how can a police officer logically let a DUI suspect run knowing that he now has his police taser in his hand and being let loose on society at large, knowing Mr. Brooks is already willing to fight with police officers, police officers to have guns. So uh, ex-NYPD Commissioner uh, Bernie Carrick was interviewed in reference to the Atlantic, Atlanta shooting. Um, his message was clear. Tell thugs not to attack our police. Now, I don't know if I would go that far. I think that was probably a strong use of words because we don't really know if Mr. Brooks was a thug or not. He might have just been drunk and out of his mind, right? I mean, you've you got to be fair on both sides of it. And, and some of you listening to this might not agree with that, and that's fine. It, whatever. This is, you know, the show is not about you making sure you agree with what the facts are or the reality of it is. It's making sure that you get the proper news. So this now attorney that – there's an attorney that's involved with this now said that using the, uh, the taser against that officer is not deadly force. So in other words, when Mr. Brooks now has a taser, if he uses this against the officer or someone, an uh, innocent person in the general public, it's not considered deadly force. Yet the city of Atlanta and the mayor of Atlanta had six cops fired the previous week, about a week and a half ago, for using a taser on a couple in a car. This was during the riots. And the district attorney charged him with using deadly physical force. So the police officers who had their taser stolen and then shot and killed the suspect that stole it were not allowed to use deadly force because allegedly the taser wasn't deadly force, but yet the mayor of Atlanta fired six cops a week before that because they he said that using a taser was using deadly physical force. I mean, you can't make the fucking the, – pardon me. You can't make the freaking irony up here. You can't make this up on any level. This is insane. Do I want my son or anyone's kid or anyone's parents walking down the street who happened to come up against Richard Brooks, who was highly intoxicated apparently – with something that the Atlanta mayor and the Atlanta district attorney says is a deadly weapon. After he's already followed the cop, it's the police officer's duty to make sure that doesn't happen. And in this case, unfortunately, deadly force was used to do that. This wasn't an incident to where it was just an innocent traffic stop, right? Or to where the, the perpetrator did not have a weapon. Now, you can argue... You can argue that a knife isn't necessarily deadly. It's where you stab the person, right? So you can have a knife, and, and now you're going to say, well, a knife is not considered a deadly weapon because you know, you, you've got to stab someone in the right place. It doesn't matter. It can still be a deadly weapon. It can still be used as a deadly A brick can be used as a deadly weapon. A stone gun, yeah, I'm quite certain that if used on the right person – at the right time in the right place, if that stun gun hits the person in the right part of the body, it could very much probably kill them. So yes, I do think, I do feel that deadly force was warranted in this simply because of how it happened, what happened, and the police had to react against a suspect who was now armed. 
And the fact that they were fired without due process is frustrating. Now, this may change. There may be something I'm unaware of, but at this date, June 16th, at almost 3 o'clock, what we know right now is the reality that Mr. Brooks stole something that the Atlanta prosecutor considers a deadly weapon. And deadly force was used against him in order to make sure he didn't hurt the police officers or other members of the community. Guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back. We're going to be talking about uh, the NIH scientists. Fifty-four of them were fired because of foreign financial ties. We'll be back in about 90 seconds, guys. Please stay tuned. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local, telegraphlocal.com, the web's only real opinion-free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, are tired of the same misconstrued reality of the world and of the current aggressive political landscape, come on over to telegraphlocal.com. We'd love to have you. Read, comment, share. Telegraph Local, your opinion-free news. Welcome back to the uh, last part of our show. Um, and I wanted to bring this – I'm going to look more into this story this week because I want to find out more about it. But I wanted to bring it to the attention of the listeners um, today because I think it's kind of important for us to get a basic idea of, one, getting, getting away from the current crazy news out there with um, police shootings and riots and looters and the burning of buildings and, and all the protest stuff going on to something a little bit different. So 54 NIH scientists – lose positions during investigation into foreign financial ties. 93% of undisclosed foreign funding was from China. Now, this is important because, as you know right now, we are going through a very big catastrophe called the coronavirus, which has killed tens of thousands of people in this country, sickened many, many more, and led to the demise of a lot of elderly people and a lot of good people in the community. Um, the issue here is that while we're researching, uh, our greatest minds are researching ways to, um, to find a cure for this virus, you have the Chinese government actively trying to steal that information from the United States so they can develop the vaccine first. So the NIH did an internal investigation, um, and I'm glad they did, and this is something that's extremely important because it will be sure that we are the ones that invent it first, that we have control over it. <clears throat> and two, it ensures that in the future, we don't have to worry about the Chinese government trying to manipulate and steal um, our intelligence from us, especially in the science community, which is extremely important because it does things like, you know, I don't know, save people's lives and stuff. The leading health agency opened an investigation to nearly 200 scientists with unreported foreign ties. 
93% of the undisclosed funding came from China. The NIH has so far removed 77 grant recipients from its databases. Think about how much money this is. Think about how many people in the science community were pretty much taking bribes in the form of grants and quote-unquote research money from the Chinese. Well, why would the Chinese do that? Why would the Chinese be giving our, our scientific community so much money? Just for the general well-being of the United, United States population? Or maybe they're doing it just to so – so when the United States does develop the vaccine, the goodwill of the U.S. people would give China access to the vaccine? Like we weren't going to already do that? It, there's no real logical reason for the Chinese government to be uh, supplying 93% of funding to our scientific community. When at this point in time, there's so much important research that scientific community is doing and has done in the past that the Chinese government's been able to get their hands on. Think about how much has been stolen from us from the Chinese government. The investigation was a result of NIH's effort to weed out foreign entities targeting researchers at the institutes to steal intellectual property and protected information. You know, we, um, we have a lot of... Chinese students that come here for higher education, higher learning, we teach them everything we know, and then they go back to China, and they use what we have taught them to compete with us. And in, in fact, in many of these cases, uh, these Chinese students go to college on grants, money they're not paying. And they're taking what they learned and going back to China, which at this point in time seems to be our arch nemesis, like Russia was during the Cold War, and using what we've taught them and what they've learned against the country that put out their arms and invited them in to learn. So there's going to be a lot more developments on this story, I'm sure, and it will be something we cover. Um, guys, please, 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 thank you for supporting us, um, but please continue to support us, continue to share this program. Please go to telegraphworld.com for all the latest news and updates on opinion-free news, that's news without opinion, that you can look at and read and decide for yourself what you feel, what you believe, and what changes you want to see in society today, because there are certainly a lot of them coming. Uh, we will be with you again tomorrow on the 17th, and we have a lot more uh, topics to discuss with you then. Uh, until then, we wish you a, a good day. Be well and be happy. Take care. Until tomorrow. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 
Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.